You saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. Okay. Classified, classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, look, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So but anyway, yes, as well as my Corvette. And this is their best and brightest. This is the best and brightest of the deep state. And as I've said all along, these people in Washington are not bright. They're arrogant. And they just think because they have so much power behind them, so much money behind them, they can do anything. And the result is Joe Biden, an ethically challenged, likely corrupt criminal that's not a bright guy in the first place and is in mental decline. And this is what you get. The walls are now closing in on them. If it wasn't so sad, it would be laughable. So welcome to High Cheese. Today's Friday, January 13th, 2023. And let's just go back. This is a really big problem. This is a really big problem for the deep state. And I want to frame this, and I just want to keep everybody focused. I'm sure everybody knows is that they found classified documents at the Penn Biden Center, Washington, D.C. And then later on, they found more documents, more classified documents next to Joe's Corvette in his garage in his home in Delaware. And needless to say, big problem because of what's going on with Mar-a-Lago, what the deep state is doing to President Trump. So isn't it ironic, isn't it fun to watch them fizzle out, which is what they're doing right now. So I just want to frame this. There's four things that can happen out of this. One is that both Biden and Trump get indicted. Two, both Biden and Trump don't get indicted. Three, Biden gets indicted, Trump doesn't. And four, Trump gets indicted and Biden doesn't. Now, in a broad sense, these are the four scenarios that are going to happen. And you have to understand is that the deep state, the people in Washington right now, they're going to choose the path that most hurts Donald Trump. So a lot can happen. Any of these can happen. We don't know what which path they're going to take right now. But their target is still Donald Trump. They have all lost their mind there. They're going to make all of their decisions based on on how to hurt Donald Trump. So that's in the broad sense. Now, I just want to give you a timeline of what happened to help frame this a little better for us. And let me just go to the timeline here. So on November 2nd, 2022, Biden's attorneys find classified documents stashed at the Penn Biden Center in Washington on November 4th. The National Archives contacts the Justice Department saying the documents have been found and secured in an archives facility. So apparently what happens, Biden's attorneys find these documents at the the Penn Biden Center and 
they hand them over or they contact the National Archives. So that was on November 4th. And on November 8th, we have the midterm elections. And then on November 9th, a day later, the FBI begins an assessment of whether the classified material was mishandled in violation of federal law. Five days go by. November 14th, Garland assigns U.S. Attorney John Lausch to lead an initial investigation to determine whether Garland should appoint a special counsel. Four more days go by. It's now November 18th. Garland announces a special counsel in the Trump case. Not Biden, but in the Trump case. Then slightly more than a month later, December 20th, Biden's personal attorney tells Lausch, more classified documents have been found in the garage of Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home. A little more than two weeks go by. January 5th, Lausch advises Garland to appoint a special counsel. Four days go by. January 9th, the public is first told of the mishandled Biden documents. January 10th, Biden makes first public statement about the pen documents. And then January 11th, a day later, the classified documents reported, classified documents reportedly found in a second location, which is Biden's garage next to his Corvette. The morning of January 12th, the next day, the Biden's attorney tells Lausch one additional classified document is found at the Wilmington home. Morning of January 12th, White House, Biden confirmed documents found in garage. Then on the afternoon of January 12th, Garland appoints a special counsel to investigate the Biden's documents. So just a couple of things I want to point out. The first thing I just wanted to point out is it was really interesting that the initial announcement from the White House is that they only found one tranche of documents at the Penn Biden Center when everybody knew that there was a second set of documents that were found. So remember that. They knew this in Washington. The White House knew this. When that first press release came out about the documents, only one set of documents at the Penn Biden Center, they knew that there was a second set of documents. The White House knew. And we have to know why they didn't fess up. Because you have to understand, January 10th was the date that Biden made his first public statement about pen documents and nothing in that had anything he didn't say anything about a second set of documents but as we know in the timeline on december 20th 2022 biden's personal attorney tells lausch more classified documents have been found in the garage of biden's wilmington delaware home So from December 20th, 2022 to January 10th, 2023, when Biden makes first public statements about the pen documents, they knew there was a second set out there. But Biden and the White House misled the public. So they knew this. And Biden's out there playing ignorance like 
He always does. That's his defense. Oh, I didn't know anything. I never talked business with Hunter. I knew nothing about these documents. I didn't know what went on around me. But here's the other thing I find even more curious. Why were they even looking? Why were Biden's attorneys rummaging through his closet at the Penn Biden Center in the first place? Well, here's what I think. Here's why I think they were doing this. There could be many reasons. You know, one, maybe they're just cleaning up the office and they came across it, but I don't think so. I think Biden's attorneys knew that there was going to be investigations coming with the Republicans taking over. Now, at the time, this was all done before the midterm elections. Everybody and their grandmother thought that the Republicans were going to win big. They didn't win big, but they won. They won the House at least. But if you remember the time frame, everybody thought there was going to be a big win for Republicans. And I think what they were doing, they were expecting hearings from the incoming Republican Congress. So what probably happened, hey, but guys, we better shore up. We better get all our, start getting all our ducks in a row. We need to see all of the documentations that, that's out there. Go to the Penn Biden Center, go through the, the office, see if there's any documents that we need to find. And I wish I was there when I saw the, uh, to see the attorney's face. Now, I'm not sure it was some low-level attorney that initially picked up the documents, but I wish I saw his face when he opened up and he saw this top secret. Ruh, row. We got a problem here. And quite frankly, I don't think that they found the documents in early November. I thought they had this information probably for months, at least, because they had to figure out what to do with it. It was probably some lower level attorney came to these, uh, picked up these uh, documents and said, oh, my God, what are we going to do? So he goes to his senior attorney, his managing attorney, and says, oh, look at what I found. So these attorneys in Washington are all politically connected. They're on the phone saying, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And I sure passed passed through their mind, just destroy the documents. I'm sure that was one of the options with these people. Well, nobody knows about it, so just burn them. And it leads me to believe that the reason they didn't burn it was there another motivating factor. Were they looking to get rid of Biden? And that's another theory out there that I hear. Now, apparently, the, the theory is that people knew, and this is, you know, this could be credible. The theory is that the Democrats. This was one of their hooks over Biden. They knew that there were some documents out there that were top secret. And they were going to use it as a hook to get rid of Biden. And now is the time has come for them to get rid of Biden because he was going to announce for another run against Trump. And you knew that Biden could, could not be Trump, just couldn't be Trump. And they couldn't have him announcing for president and they couldn't have him running again. So this is why they pulled this out. And this is how they work out there in Washington. They will plant incriminating evidence into high-profile elected officials, high-profile bureaucrats, and they hang this over their head. Now, people are saying, oh, Obama's, Obama's people, they were ones that planted this. Maybe it was Hillary's. They knew this evidence was there. They knew that for whatever reason, it was there. And now they're going to expose Biden because they want to get rid of him. But 
That leads me to a third thing. I want to know, how did they get there? Who signed off on it? Who requested the documents? If they were requested. Or who took the documents? How did they wind up in that? And that's what we need to know. We need to know a number of things. The one thing I want to know immediately, if we could, I want to know when they actually found those docs. And the second thing I want to know is, what was the chain of custody on those documents? During the Obama-Biden administration, those documents had to start somewhere and had to end up in the Penn-Biden Center. And I want to know who took those documents, which resulted in them going from the Obama-Biden administration into that office at the in Washington, as well as the garage next to the Corvette. So that's where we are right now. Now, right now, you know, there's talk about, oh, is Biden going to resign? He's going to have to resign over this. Right now, I don't think he is. I just don't think he's going to resign right now. This this investigation is still in its early stages. He doesn't have to do anything. He can just sit there. Maybe this investigation lasts for two years, which you know extends through his presidency. And if he runs, he's got this whole, you know being held over his head, in the same way that Trump would have this held over his head. And the other thing, Jill Biden is not going to let her husband resign. She loves the trappings of being the first lady. She loves being there. She loves being called doctor. And she loves being called first lady. And she is not going to give that up. She will not let her husband resign. And this is what we know now. Now, maybe legitimately he has a stroke a month from now, two months from now, I can't do it. That's a different story. But the way we, uh, what I know now, he won't resign because Jill Biden will not let him resign. Now, the one telling thing we have to keep a look out for is this investigation into Hunter Biden in Delaware about his taxes and about his gun permit. And I want to see what happens. And could this be a message to Joe Biden? If any resolution to this investigation to uh, Hunter Biden in Delaware, comes out soon. It could be a message to Joe Biden. If they indict Hunter, that may be a message to Joe Biden. Say, hey, you're losing us. Because you have to understand, these attorneys in all of these offices right now, they're all political hacks. That attorney in Delaware that's overseeing the Hunter Biden case, he's a political hack. He's on the phone right now. Oh, what should I do? What kind of message should I send? What's the answer here? So he's on the phone talking to all his other cohorts because that's how they got there. You have to understand all these attorney generals, most of these attorneys at the Department of Justice, they got there because of politics. They're going to hang their hat with the people who they think is going to keep them in their positions. So keep a look. Just wait to see what happens with this Hunter Biden case in Delaware. I'm not sure what, how it's going to play out, but there's likely a message in there to Joe Biden. And quite frankly, I don't think it's going to mean anything because I think Joe Biden's at the point he would throw his crackhead son under the bus. 
Because when you think about it, he, he's a guy that uses his drug-addicted son as a bag man. Do you think he has any respect for his son? He may talk to talk. Oh, I'm worried about you, son. This and that. You've got a problem. Yeah, meanwhile, he was uh, sending his son out to collect money and bring it back to the family. So we'll see on that. It's going to be really interesting. So the chickens have come home to roost. Oh, before I forget, there's a couple of other items I wanted to talk about pertaining to this subject before I move on. Um, The first question I have is I also want to know, where does National Archives fall in this? And if you can remember with Mar-a-Lago and Trump, uh, the, the National Archives, they wanted their documents back. These are our documents. We want them back. And they got pushed back by Trump. And that's apparently what caused the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And while I'm at it, they should have raided the White House. They should have raided Delaware. Why didn't they do that? Well, we all know why. I'm not going to answer that question. But what I want to know about National Archives is, was there any documentation in the National Archives about Joe Biden having these documents? And if so, why did they look the other way? That's the first question I have. The other thing I wanted to talk about is the Penn Biden Center. And this Penn Biden Center was set up after, you know, I guess to give uh, Joe something to do uh, outside his his, uh, dealings with China and Ukraine and Hunter to give him some kind of legitimacy. So this is a think tank. Believe it or not, a think tank associated with Joe Biden just doesn't make sense. I don't associate Joe Biden with thinking let alone think tank. But apparently this was a a joint effort with University of Pennsylvania, Ivy League school with Joe Biden. And it was to promote a globalist agenda. And the interesting thing I find is that although China donated to University of Pennsylvania, the donations from China to the University of Pennsylvania skyrocketed after the Penn Biden Center started. I mean, we're talking about like $70 million was donated to the University of Pennsylvania. Now tell me, why, why does a, uh, an Ivy League school like the University of Pennsylvania with a massive endowment need $70 million from China? And what's the price? Chinese money starts flowing into the University of Pennsylvania after the Penn Biden Center starts. And Joe Biden gets paid, I think it was almost a million dollars over a two-year period by University of Pennsylvania. And I think he was only seen on campus four times in those two years. And look, this, this is nothing more to me than a money laundering scheme. This was something that mobsters do. You know, when I was growing up, a lot of the mobsters used pizza parlors and bagel shops as a front for their operations. I think, you know, where, where I grew up, it was a bagel shop. And they had good bagels, by the way. And they, they were cheap. I think they were only five cents each. You can get a dozen for 50 cents. And we were wondering why they were so cheap. We found out later on why, but they were good bagels. But anyway, this is nothing more than the way mobsters run. So we now have an Ivy League institution and a current president of the United States running an operation like the mobsters do. But you shouldn't be surprised. Look at everything else that Biden is involved with. Hunter, China. 
and dollars to donuts. With that money from China came something. And that was probably a request to see, have access to these top secret documents. And I think the doc, top secret documents had to do with um, Ukraine, Iran, and the United Kingdom. Now, there could be more, but it wouldn't be far-fetched to assume that China had access to these documents. So time is going to tell what happens here. And it look, it doesn't look good for Joe Biden. It doesn't look good for the deep state. But remember, this does not happen if MAGA doesn't win the House. Just remember that. All this scrambling behind the scenes, supposedly in November, to get these documents in order, because they knew that MAGA was coming. And this doesn't happen unless MAGA takes over. You know, if there was a bunch of rhinos that took over, and eh, it would have been business as usual. But this happened because of MAGA. And one last thing I just wanted to point out is I love watching the media twist themselves into pretzels to try to make us believe that, oh, it's no big deal. And when people tried to compare what Trump did to what Biden did, the first line of defense was, well, Trump had more documents. Like it, it matters whether there's 10 top secret documents or one top secret document. That, that's irrelevant. But here's what they never say. Here's what they don't say, which is the truth. Donald Trump, as president, has the authority to declassify anything. And a vice president does not have that ability. And that's the biggest problem. And that's the problem that's likely going to take Biden down on this. And the other thing I just wanted to point out, the uh, attorney that Garland appointed to lead this special investigation, his last name is Her. H-U-R. Well, he's nothing more than just a, an insider. He's associated with the Russiagate. Apparently, he was Christopher Ray's protege at one point. So don't expect much from him. Don't expect much from this entire process because it's all political. Now, it's going to be fun to watch because they're going to start beating each other up. And Trump's just sitting back and laughing. Because whatever they do to Trump won't stop him from running from pre for president. And it won't stop him from winning. And likely, if they go after Trump, say they in, uh, indict Trump and they do nothing to Biden, there's going to be major blowback with the American people on that. That's going to play out in the polls. So that's why Trump is laughing. He's sitting back laughing at this. And Trump has a killer instinct. He's going for the jugular on this. You watch. He sees blood. He's a killer. Remember that. And that's why we like Trump. So we shall see. Now, so far, so good with Kevin McCarthy, as Speaker of the House. He's done some really good things this week. And talk about killer instinct. This is the thing about Trump. Trump has instilled a killer instinct in Republicans. And for years and years, the, you know, the country club Republicans couldn't care less what went on. Just as, okay, I can go to the country club, play some golf, collect my dividends. I'm okay with that. Let the Democrats set the table. And I'll just make it appear like I'm doing something to protect the taxpayer and American citizens. And But here comes Trump. Here comes MAGA. They have a backbone. And Kevin McCarthy is the beneficiary of this. 
The battle that he went through last week has made him extremely strong. And the concessions that he agreed to will make him a stronger leader. And I like what I'm seeing so far. He's passed an abortion bill that requires doctors to provide medical care to a child in a botched abortion. Secondly, he passed another bill to repeal the 87,000 IRS agents. He set up a committee to investigate the weaponization of our federal government. He's going to release all of the J6 footage, not just the select footage. No, he's releasing everything. And he's going to release it to the public. Let the public decide. Let the people decide. Not a star chamber headed by Democrats, but the American people. And again, this doesn't happen without MAGA. A strong Kevin McCarthy does not happen without MAGA. Oh, and before I forget, he's put MAGA members on key committees. And one thing I like is that he took Shifty Schiff and Mr. Swalwell off of the House Intelligence Committee. Now, he also took Representative Omar off of the Foreign Affairs Committee, but he, he, took, he took Eric Swalwell off of the Foreign Affairs Committee. Now, if you remember what Swalwell did, not only was he the guy that was passing gas during an interview last year, but he was also dating a Chinese spy. And I want to go to a clip. And this is, a, this is just to show the backbone that has been developed in the spine of Kevin McCarthy. So he's getting some pushback from the press on, well, why'd you take Swalwell off? And they were trying to make a comparison between Swalwell and this new Republican Santos that embellished his resume. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. Let me phrase something very direct to you. If you got the briefing I got from the FBI, you wouldn't have Swalwell on any committee. And you're going to tell me other Democrats couldn't fill that slot? He cannot get a security clearance in the private sector. So would you like to give him a government clearance? You asked me questions about Santos. You asked the questions about Swalwell. Not only was he getting a clearance, he was inside an intel committee. He had more information than the majority of all the members. Did you ever raise that issue? No, but you should have. You're going to tell me there's 200 other Democrats that couldn't fill that slot, but they kept him on it? The only way that they even knew it came forward is when they went to nominate him to the Intel Committee. And then the FBI came and told the leadership then, he's got a problem. And they kept him on. That jeopardized all of us. And that's a really good moment for Kevin McCarthy. And two weeks ago, Kevin McCarthy would have been not capable of making that kind of pushback to the reporters. And it's refreshing. And it's good news. Now, one thing I just wanted to point out is some of the legislation that's being passed right now by McCarthy and the Republicans just aren't going to make it through the Senate. And it's something that Biden ultimately would not sign into law. Like, for example, I don't think this abortion uh, bill that was just passed uh, is going to make it through the Senate. And even if it does, it's not going to be signed by Biden, as well as the repeal of the 87,000 IRS agents. However, there's some little nuance they can do with the IRS agents. But um, my point is, is that 
some of these bills that are being passed uh, will go nowhere in the Senate and go nowhere with uh, Biden. But from a political standpoint, it's really smart what he's doing now. They are defining the Democrats right now. So they can pass all these bills, but in the eyes of the American people, they are now defining the Democratic Party. So the Democratic Party right now are the people that are against helping a poor child in a botched abortion. And they are against repealing the 87,000 IRS agents, which is very popular with the people. But it's good politics because they're defining the Democrats early on. And it's a good move by McCarthy. Oh, I got to laugh. The deep state is so transparent and so predictable. Now, today's Friday, and Janet Yellen came out this afternoon, Friday, and said that we're going to hit our debt limit next Thursday. Now, just a reminder what the debt limit is. The debt limit is, is that there's, there's a cap on our debt, what we can issue in debt. Now, the federal government can spend, 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 and borrow, 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 but there are certain caps uh, on how much debt we can take on. And if you anticipate exceeding that cap, you need a congressional approval to exceed the cap. And everybody's calculation, even my calculations, had said that, well, we're probably looking at late spring, June, late June, before the cap becomes an issue. And it becomes an issue politically because if you don't, exceed the cap. If you don't pass legislation that exceeds the cap, you can't, you have to start getting into these uh, dramatic cutbacks in your your spending. So you don't incur any more debt. And it's been a political issue in the past. And the MAGA said it was going to be an issue this year. So Janet Yellen needs to divert attention from Joe Biden. So she's created the debt limit issue. Now think about this. This is a, this is a person that is supposed to have her finger on the pulse, the federal government's finance. And she comes out on Friday and says, oh yeah, by the way, we're going to exceed our debt limit next Thursday. This is nothing more than a way to divert your eyes from Biden. Create a crisis. And this is all they got. And I guess this is why why Biden has kept yelling, because she's a hack. She just created this out of her own political expediency so you know this is going to be fun you know if i if i was maga i would say hey look too bad you gave us a week to figure this out you deal with it not us your responsibility is to give us a much longer time period than a week or less than a week she should be fired for that i'm a finance person i'm a government finance person if i gave any governing body a, a less than a week to deal with some dramatic financial problem, I would expect to be fired. And you know what? They should fire Janet Yellen. All right, let's switch to the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. It came out this week, and let's take a quick look. Uh, CPI, year over year, is up 6.5% versus 7.1% last month. So it's down a little bit in relation to last month, but it's still up year over year. And core CPI, which takes out energy and food, is up 5.7% versus being up 6% last month. Here's where you shouldn't be fooled by these numbers. These CPI numbers is a, you know, essentially is a basket of goods. And uh, they take the average and, uh, of these increases 
and they come out with these numbers. So although these numbers are trending downward, they're still higher by 6.5% year over year. But if you look closer at the products in this basket of goods that they use to calculate CPI, we're really being affected by inflation. And let's take a closer look. For example, now even though they're saying that year over year, the CPI only increased 6.5%, well, guess what? Eggs are up almost 60%, 60%. Fuel oil is up 41.5%. Butter is up 35%. White bread up 17%. Hot dogs up 18%. Coffee's up 15%. Electricity's up 14%. Chicken's up 12%. So these are all products that most Americans use every day. And these are products that most Americans need every day. Now, what drives this number down to the 6.5% are a drop in major appliances. Gasoline was down 2%. Beef was down 3%. Bacon was down 3%. Rentals were down 5%. Computers were down 5%. Used cars were down 8%. And televisions were down 14%. Televisions have not been affected by inflation. Televisions have consistently been down. So this is where it's misleading. All these staples that we need, that Americans need to eat to function every day, are up dramatically. But... The overall CPI is being reduced by these products that we really don't need on a day-to-day basis. We don't need to buy televisions every day. We don't need to buy major appliances every day. Women's dresses, we don't need to buy those every day. We don't rent cars every day. And this is where this whole calculation is misleading. So Wall Street is out there. Oh, we like it. 6.5%. It's moderating. Well, not to the average American. And the market's been up for the past two weeks. And uh, again, they're just in denial. They have to capitulate. They don't realize that earnings are not going to be good. And the Fed is going to continue to raise rates. But they're ignoring this. And they ignored it a couple times last year and they got burned. I think they're going to get burned again. So we shall see. You know, I want to switch to a clip uh, by Mitch McConnell, who's no friend to MAGA or the American people. And McConnell's talking about what the American policy actually is regarding Ukraine. And let's go to the clip and let's discuss this, because this is one of the reasons why I am against our current policy with Ukraine. But good old Mitch Let's the cat out of the bag. So again, let's go to the clip, then we'll come back and discuss. But the most basic reasons for continuing to help Ukraine degrade and defeat the Russian invaders are cold, hard, practical American interests. Helping equip our friends in Eastern Europe to win this war is also a direct investment in reducing Putin's future capabilities to menace American, threaten our allies, and contest our core interests. It will massively wear down the arsenal that is available to Putin for future efforts. This assistance is in our national security interests, 
but it is also in America's economic interest. These investments will help expand our defense manufacturing capacity and contribute to an industry that supports high-paying American jobs. So here's what McConnell is saying. The only reason we're in this is to weaken Russia. That's it. Oh, it's nice to talk about, oh, you know, we want to help Ukraine's borders. We need to protect Ukraine's borders and we need to help Ukraine fight for freedom, whatever that means, because there are a bunch of corrupt oligarchs that run that country. But Mitch said it's all about weakening Russia. It's all about spending our money. We'll give them our money. Let's kill 40,000 Ukrainian citizens. Let's kill 100,000 Ukrainian troops. We'll keep on sending just as long as they weaken Russia. And that's our interest. Now, I was reading an article in one of these globalist magazines. I forgot who it was. And they were trying to make a case where, oh, this is a great investment. We're, we're sending all this money over to Ukraine to, to weaken Russia. And we don't have to worry about any Americans getting killed. Oh, they're only Ukrainians. It's only 40,000 civilians over there. It's only 100,000 troops so far that's been killed. It's not our guys. Well, first of all, I would say yet. And there's a big risk here. And it's called nuclear war. It's called World War III. But these people are just so dumb with their policy. So now we now and we know it's not about helping Ukraine. It's about weakening Russia. And if 40,000 civilians get killed, so what? It's not Americans. We don't care. But here's why it's also dumb policy. We're spending all this money on Ukrainian defenses. And here's an article. This is from Fox. It says, Navy Secretary says U.S. can't maintain support for Ukraine if weapon makers don't ramp up production. And it says here, Navy Secretary Carlos del Toro warned Wednesday that continued support for Ukraine will be difficult if weapons makers don't ramp up production in the next 12 months. The comments came on the sidelines of the Surface Navy Association's conference in Arlington, Virginia. Del Toro was asked to respond to remarks made by Admiral Darrell Caudill, commander of the U.S. Fleet Forces Command, that the U.S. Navy may ultimately have to decide between arming itself or Ukrainians. So that's where we are right now. We're at the point where we're giving so much armament to Ukraine that we can't protect ourselves. Is that in the best interest of this country? Is that in the best interest of the United States? We've now weakened ourselves from a military standpoint because of Ukraine. And you know who's watching? China. Now, I don't know if you caught the last thing about what McConnell said at the end of the clip. He said, no, this is good for our economy. This Ukrainian war is good for our economy. Killing all these people in Ukraine are good for our economy. You know why? Because it brings money to our defense contractors. And they have high-paying jobs. I couldn't believe it when I heard that. The arrogance. He is, he is in Washington so long that he doesn't understand the meaning of what he just said. Yep, yep let's kill Ukrainians. Good for our economy. It's good for our defense contractors. It's good for my contributors. And again... I hearken back to Dwight D. Eisenhower. Beware of the military-industrial complex. And it appears that good old Mitch is right in the middle of it. You know, I just wanted to talk a few minutes about 
the Twitter drops. And I'll tell you, I haven't spent a lot of time in it. A lot of with all the stuff going on uh, with Biden and the speaker battle. That this is a really, really important topic that has to be covered. And I, I know that it's probably going to be part of the investigation to the weaponization of our government institutions. But this is really dramatic stuff that Elon Musk is uh, releasing. I mean, the latest is that you had Adam Schiff putting pressure on Twitter executives to to delete people's tweets. This is absolutely crazy. But these drops from um, these reporters, Taibbi and others, these are really, really important. Just shows you how our intelligence agencies were in bed with private entities to suppress people's voices and to influence the 2020 presidential election. Now, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, Twitter came out and said, look, you know, they were getting a lot of pressure to investigate Russia's involvement on presidential elections. You know, how the Democrats were with Russia, 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 Russia. And quite frankly, they came back and said, sorry, guys, we didn't find any real significant Russian influence. In particular, there was this one hashtag that they were interested in. I forgot the name of it. But the Twitter execs said, hey, we researched it and there wasn't really, there was no there there. So we're going to find out more between what uh, Musk has dropped and what these investigations are going to entail. There, there's so much. There's so much to investigate. And and it's got to be done the right way or, you know, people are just going to get overwhelmed and going to get numb to all these investigations. But I guess, you know, it, too many investigations versus too few in this world. Give me too many. The only problem is sometimes people, you know, they lose focus on all these investigations. And if there's any suggestion I can give to the uh, new house is that keep these investigations down to, you know, three or four in the first year and then ramp some up. Now, while I'm at investigations, it looks like the CDC is getting ahead of the curve here. They announced today that they were going to investigate a link between the vaccines and strokes. And let me tell you, this would not have happened if MAGA wasn't in the house right now. They're all starting to cover their butts. They're trying to get ahead of the curve. We saw it a month or two ago with some employees of the CDC. I think they had the the head of the CDC, Walensky. Remember what she said about the vaccine? You know, you really didn't know the efficacy of these vaccines when you released them to the public. And her answer was, well, we were kind of hoping. Oh, that's really scientific. But this is one investigation of the whole COVID response that has to be done this year. So we shall see. All right, let's go to my first loser of the week for 2023. And it was a close one. And let me give you my runner-up first. And my runner-up first is Pete Buttigieg, the head of the Department of Transportation, for his inability to manage his department. He's doing everything but manage the department. He had the Southwest problem a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was less than a week ago. And then this week he had the computer system crash, which caused the grounding of all flights in the United States for several hours. And this guy, Buttigieg, he's typical, no talent, all talk politician. And the funny thing is, I hear from people that he's being groomed to be president, which I say, go for it. 
The guy can't manage anything. How is he going to manage a country? He's one of those guys that just want to stand there. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Doesn't know how to be in charge. But he's in charge. And he's responsible for all these problems with the airlines. And has he been proactive in anything? Now, the only thing I heard he was proactive with is that he had changed this computer program to be more culturally sensitive. I think he changed the name from, it was a notice to airmen, and he changed it to some air people, something like that. He thinks that's important. Meanwhile, the program doesn't work, or the program is hacked. It's not good management. And for that, I give Pete Boot Edge Edge, my runner-up. And now for the first loser of the week for 2023. And it is Andrea Mitchell. Andrea Mitchell for scolding one of her cohorts on the air about using the word pro-life to describe pro-lifers. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Well, she told reporters after the fact that at the end of the day, she was, as she described herself, pro-life and that she felt her Garrett, future, let me just, future voters. Let me here. just interrupt and say that pro-life is a term that they made, that an entire group uh, wants to use, but that is uh, not an accurate description. I'm using it because that's the term she used to describe herself, I understand. Andrea. I understand. Anyway, that was her explanation. Uh... Let's talk about Congressman Santos now. What a loser. Imagine working with her. I think it's time for her to retire. Well, with that said, thank you for listening. You have a good week. Uh, There's so much going on right now, and I look forward to uh, the upcoming uh, months and uh, years with you. So have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday.